Conversational Commerce, the podcast where we break down the biggest industry news and trends by talking shop with the Retail Dive team, thought leaders, and executives. It's a brand new year, but the slate isn't exactly clean for retailers coming out of a transformational year. 2017 was tainted by a record number of bankruptcies and a lot of store closures. But it was also the year that voice commerce really took off, and with no small thanks to Amazon's Alexa. And we also saw many other retailers experimenting with creative ways to meet new shopping habits. As we envision the year ahead, we're all eager to know what news and trends will define 2018. So I thought, who better to talk to about the future of retail than Doug Stevens, futurist and founder of Retail Profit. So I called him up at his house in Toronto, Canada, and asked him for 10 big predictions for the new year. And I'll say they're pretty surprising, and they're not all about Amazon dominating the landscape. In our conversation, we touch on everything from store innovations to acquisitions to watch and a whole lot in between. All right, here's our show. Hi, Doug. Welcome to the show. It's really good to have you calling in from Toronto. Thank you. It's great to be here. So with the new year upon us, there's one big question that's on everyone's minds, and that is what will 2018 hold? So to me, it seems like the short answer of that question is a whole lot more disruption, which is something that you write about and speak about quite frequently as a retail futurist. So as we look into the future on this episode, I want to really drill down on your predictions for what could unfold across a wide range of topics next year. For those of you tuning in that aren't familiar with Doug and his work, he published a book earlier this year called Re-Engineering Retail, The Future of Selling in a Post-Digital World. So Doug, what's your quick elevator pitch for where the industry is heading on a very macro level? I think that we are right now standing at the cusp of a a massive amount of change uh, in the retail industry. And I don't think that's going to come as a surprise to anyone. But I think that even now, people in the industry will find it difficult to actually wrap their heads around the degree to which the nature of retail, and in fact, even how retailers make revenue, is going to change over the next decade. And so this book was really an exploration of the interplay between digital and physical experiences and the shifting nature of how consumers are going to shop, where they're going to shop, and even why they're going to shop, and how technology is going to influence all of that behavior. And in fact, you know, I I actually explore the idea that retailers of the future may not even be interested in selling products to make money. They may uh, have uh, entirely new ways of generating revenue and profit. So it's really an exploration of that future on about a 10 to 20 year horizon. So we've got a lot of ground to cover today. So let's dive into these predictions for the new year. I wanted to start with in-store innovation. Um, What kind of innovations are you anticipating will really dominate the new year? One thing that, that I find fascinating, frankly, is is Amazon Go. I think that uh, we know that in 2017, this was the first time we, we ever heard of this project by Amazon, the, the store that, you know, after 200 years of the retail industry looking at people lining up at cash registers and thinking it was okay, Jeff Bezos woke up one morning and said, you know, we'll, we'll have to do away with that. And so they did. Uh, this combination of technologies that Amazon has cobbled together to create 
the, the store where there are no cashiers, there are no lineups. And apparently now they have actually worked out the bugs. Uh, I was in Seattle recently. I didn't get a chance to actually go through the store. But my understanding is that um, they, they've sort of worked out the kinks in, in the concept. And they're now actually looking in 2018 just to start rolling this into more cities. So I think it's fascinating, uh, not only because of the way it works, but also the fact that if, in fact, they have done for the physical environment what they did for the online environment with one-click purchase, um, they could have a 10-year head start here on the rest of the retail industry, and that could be that could be fatal because it's really going to recalibrate consumer expectations. The next big topic I want to talk about is malls. This year, we saw a lot of malls losing anchors as Sears and Macy's pull back. A lot of retail bankruptcies meant a lot of store closures. But at the same time, we just saw Westfield be bought out for $15.7 billion. So I'm curious, what do you think will happen for malls in the next year? Yeah, I think the problem with malls is that they're not shopping centers anymore. I think that's the fundamental problem. And I think, in fact, if, if there's a, a mall operator out there or a developer that's actually still calling them shopping centers, I think they have an inherent problem. And, and the problem lies in the fact that where if we step back 30 years, the shopping center was the starting point of most consumer journeys. If, if you needed clothing or you needed um, electronics or, you know, household goods, and you didn't know where to go, well, you went to the mall. That's where you started out. And so um, that now has become a, a digital starting point. Your, your starting point is no longer getting in the car and going to the mall. It's just pulling out your tablet and, and, and searching digitally. So the other problem with malls is that they are still basically the home of mid-tier retailers. And we know that that's the, the, the area of the market that's just being gutted right now. So when you combine those two problems, that this is no longer the starting point for the consumer and uh, most of the brands that, that they will find in a, in a shopping center are you know, sort of these low experience mid-tier retailers, it's a deadly combination. So where does it go? Well, I think we're going to see um, the high-end malls are going to continue to thrive because at least they can lean on the fact that they, they house brands that you can't find on every street corner. And we're also going to see the advent of more food, more entertainment, more hospitality, more community uh, rolled into uh, these retail centers with, with probably a much smaller proportion of retail. So we're seeing a lot of transformation and, you know, retailers are trying to figure out the best way to drive in-store traffic. Um, and, you know, a lot of retailers are really struggling with that. We've reported on over 20 high-profile bankruptcies. That's Charming Charlie was the most recent, but also Toys R Us, The Limited, Rue 21, the list goes on. I'm curious um, if you've got a retailer in mind that you're anticipating really won't be able to make that transition and might fade away next year. Well, I mean, you know, of course, everybody is on death watch for Sears. <laughs> Their Canadian business uh, has now folded. And um, it does, there doesn't seem to be, frankly, anything that would prevent the U.S. business from following exactly the same fate. Um, so, you know, that, that almost, that's one that almost goes without saying. Uh, but I think, you know, the, the problem is certainly deeper than that. I think we should be concerned about, frankly, almost everybody in the department store category. You know, um, you know as we alluded to before, uh, the whole... The whole nature of their competitive advantage has fundamentally changed. 
um, they, you know, where, where the mall was the, the starting point for consumers, oftentimes the starting point within the mall was the department store. And so, um, you know, they, they are, are subject to the same sort of pain that malls are going through right now. So I think we should be on the watch for, for Macy's. I'm not suggesting that Macy's will, will necessarily go out of business in 2018, but I think that their hardships are going to become even greater. And, um, you know, Kohl's, I mean, the, the fact, frankly, that Kohl's said this uh, holiday season, bring, bring your uh, packages. If you want to return something to Amazon, bring it to us. We'll return it for you. Oh, and by the way, we're going to sell Amazon Echoes in our stores. You know, I was saying, saying to someone the other day, this is um, either a precursor to a buyout by Amazon of Kohl's, or it's the worst retail strategy in the history of retail. I can't figure out which. So the other you know, trend that we're likely to see next year is brands moving into vertical integration. Tell me what you see on that front. You know, 30 years ago, brands needed retailers in order to effectively distribute their, product, their products and their brands to, to consumers at scale. They don't anymore. So I'm going to throw a big topic at you and take it where you will, but e-commerce. So this year we saw you know, a lot of e-commerce acquisitions um, by Walmart and other big retailers. But what's what's going to be one of the defining um, you know aspects of e-commerce that comes to light in 2018? So we have to admit that more and more of our consumer spending is is certainly uh, going to move over to digital as we move forward, and it's about to accelerate. And that's what people I think don't fully grasp sometimes. We are really now sitting on the precipice of the Internet of Things, uh, a place where all of a sudden our appliances, our cars, our homes, our workplaces, even our, our clothing that we're wearing is going to be connected. It's going to be intelligent. It's going to potentially have the capability to make buying decisions on our behalf. And that is going to have a massive influence on the amount of products that get purchased, and, and really the nature of what those basket sizes look like. When individual light bulbs start reordering themselves a day before they burn out, um, you know, we're going to have millions more small transactions that are taking place and are being driven by machine to machine commerce. Um, so that's going to pose all kinds of questions for marketers. How do you market to a piece of artificial intelligence now? How do you design your products? Um, not for human-centered design, but for machine-centered design. But the other opportunity is that, as amazing as Amazon is, and it really is, it, it's an, an incredibly great tool, it's, it's, it's really great if you know what you want. But the opportunity for retailers in that space is to, uh, is to introduce discovery to e-commerce, the, the ability to discover products and to really uh, experience the joy of shopping online, which I don't think Amazon is really great at. People don't get together and have wine and cheese parties and shop together on Amazon. It's just not, it's not that kind of thing. It's not fun. So I believe that uh, the, the next iteration of online shopping is going to be far more immersive, far more physical, far more tangible. Uh, and will probably involve some form of AR or VR or some other offshoot of those technologies. So that's an a lot. increasingly that's a lot in one answer, I know <laughs> it's a lot to digest. But I mean, I think it's such a testament to how critical e-commerce 
is these days. Um, and I think retailers have known that for years now, but um, the retailers that are getting ahead, as you mentioned, are the retailers that are making these really interesting experiences. An increasing amount of digital sales is coming from mobile. And we saw a huge surge so far this holiday season with more retailers really taking this seriously and trying to make those experiences better and tailor things to their app or to their mobile web. So what do you see as coming in the next wave of mobile? I think the device, frankly, as a as a, a, a form factor is, is going to become less and less important in terms of what we consider to be mobile commerce. And from the moment we wake up to the time we go to sleep at night, we will just simply speak our needs. We will tell Alexa what we want. And in fact, Alexa will begin to predict what we want based on where we are and what we're doing. Uh, I think that in Jeff Bezos' mind, Alexa becomes everything to us. Uh, she she becomes our lawyer, our accountant, our child's teacher. Um, she's with us every single moment of our lives, and she's offering up suggestions as to what we might what we might want to buy. So, I think that's where mobile is going. I mean, today, yes, it's a little frightening to me. <laughs> it it is, you know. I mean, it it really, I think it really challenges, you know, our our sense of of humanity, uh, our our beliefs around free will, uh, and, and it certainly challenges our relationship with technology. You know, uh, we know that, I mean, mobile is incredibly pervasive today. We depend on it as consumers. It's a, it's a bigger and bigger part of our lives all the time. I think 50% of all retail transactions now are influenced somehow by uh, mobile. But yeah, this notion that the device itself will sort of fade into the background and it'll just be this pervasive presence in our lives that we will, uh, I think, if the conditions are right, if there's enough trust and um, utility, we'll open ourselves up to it. So that might be a good segue into this next topic, but I, I want to focus on critical technology. Um, you know, there's a lot of hype over where voice is headed, as well as augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, what do you think retailers will have to invest in in the next year to get ahead? To me, anyway, I think that um, you know a lot of a lot of technologies out there may be important for different reasons, but I think we have to get at how do we not only quantify and and uh, and, and sort of monetize, if you will, how do we attribute a monetary value to the, to the consumer's experience in a store, and how do we also uh, make a case for attribution. How do we connect the dots between the consumer that came into my store today and the consumer that made a purchase from me two weeks later uh, online? Um, we need to we need to do a better job of that, and 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 in doing so, we'll be able to confidently understand the the relationship between physical space and digital purchase. So that's really foundational, right? It's just making sure that you have the best analytics, you have the best data collection processes that you can in turn use you know, to make business decisions that will keep customers coming through either digitally or in stores. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's a matter of understanding you know, from an analytics standpoint, understanding what is happening. But I think it's also a matter of being able to connect the dots. And right now, there are very few retailers that can do that. It's definitely a new game for retailers and, um, you know, old school brick and mortar retailers are 
trying to adapt and evolve their brands in this new era of retailing and the new players are really stirring the pot. Um, so I'm curious which disruptors um, you're really looking at to define and challenge retail in 2018. Disruptors can disrupt by bringing interesting innovations to the market, but you can also bring innovations to the market without necessarily being a disruptor. A disruptor being the, those uh, brands and retailers that are coming into a market, they're, um, they're offering uh, almost the same product, but they're offering at a distinctly lower price. That is you know, kind of technically what we consider to be a disruptor. So I think we first of all have to make that distinction. What are we looking for? Who are we looking at? But then once we've done that, I think the the mistake we can make is by fixating on one one uh, brand or one business. You know, to sort of fixate on Amazon and say, okay, well, you know, Amazon is is the disruptor, and we need to watch everything that they're doing. I'm not necessarily an advocate of that. I think we absolutely need to keep Amazon on the radar, but I believe that consumer behavior is being shifted by all sorts of different experiences. I think every time a consumer gets into an Uber for a ride, uh, they, they, their expectations around experience have shifted. Every time they book an Airbnb for a vacation, their experience has shifted. Uh, I'll give you one example. There's um, uh, a business uh, that uh, was brought to my attention uh, recently, and it's called Linear. L-I-N-J-E-R. They are a company that makes leather briefcases, among other things. But the interesting thing about them was that they, they didn't just manufacture a product and go out to a market. They actually, first of all, connected with highly engaged groups of consumers, in this case, uh, men who uh, care deeply about personal style and fashion, uh, they found out what this community of consumers was passionate about in terms of the design of leather briefcases. They then turned to the community and said, look, this is what we can design for you, which is exactly what you want. Will you fund it? Here you have a company that has completely innovated manufacturing. So we need to be looking at that as well. So not just one disruptor to watch, a whole bunch of smaller ones and maybe big ones too, but a lot of ones playing in niche markets. Um, this year, we also saw a lot of increased M&A in the industry, um, especially a lot of e-commerce darlings being picked up by retailers. And I'm curious if there's a high-profile buyout that you're expecting next year. Well, I think there are going to be a, a couple, <laughs> potentially big ones. Amazon certainly, they desperately want to, uh, to begin working in the furniture category in a big way. Um, and I think that they acknowledge the fact that Furniture is still a category where the ability to touch and feel and and identify levels of comfort uh, matter. I'm sort of looking to Amazon to go out to the market and pick up a uh, a physical furniture retailer. Is there one that you would have in mind that would maybe make sense for them? It's anybody's guess, of course, and, and there might be some disagreement on this. But I sort of look at the Whole Foods thing and I think, okay, what did they... What did they look for in Whole Foods? Well, one of the things they looked for were brands that would be in relatively close proximity to their core customers, which are prime members. Uh, that, that made a lot of sense for them. So I look at the furniture category and I think a brand like Restoration Hardware could make sense for them. It's the right size. Uh, they've got stores that are already like showrooms. They basically have a showroom slash catalog uh, purchase model for their consumers. I think the brand alignment in terms of the brand um, 
positioning is right for Prime members because 82% of households that are over $110,000 in income a year are Prime members, so it's a relatively affluent crowd. Uh, the other thing that I'm looking at, though, is uh, Walmart uh, potentially looking at accelerating their ability to sell furniture in the e-commerce space. And so I'd be looking at Walmart as a potential suitor to Wayfair. So the interesting thing about that, right, is that we saw them pick up ModCloth, Bonobos, Moostraw, all of these big e-commerce players. So to you, does that seem like the pattern that they're interested in? Where can we build out online? Yeah, it, it, it is. And in going out and buying all of these startups, uh, they were not only just buying these brand names and, and these customer uh, groups, but they were also immediately buying vendor relationships, uh, stocking units, and, uh, and a tremendous amount of product content and able to, to populate uh, their, their business with that content, which is important. So Wayfair would give them that same advantage overnight. Boom. They've, they've got, you know, um, uh, just thousands of, of relationships, uh, scads of content and uh, a built-in customer base that's already very, very active. That's a category that I'm just really interested to see how it actually plays out next year. Um, the last thing I want to touch on is something that's top of mind for all retailers, and that's how to make money these days in retail. So what's your outlook for you know, evolving economic models for the industry? My advice to, to every retailer that I work with is to, to go through an exercise, uh, pull your people together and ask a simple question. If, if our product was given away for nothing, how would we make money? Could we uh, sell a viable membership program that could become a greater portion of our revenue? Could we create a, a, a store experience that is so compelling that consumers are willing to pay to come to events in our stores? Or you know, could we create something that is so mind-blowing that consumers are literally willing to pay admission for to come into? Um, and and if, if someone out there thinks that that's crazy, uh, we do that all the time. <laughs> we, we pay admission to go and see things at galleries, events, exhibits, and movies. So this is not a foreign concept, but it's foreign to retail. So um, I think that we're going to have to, as an industry, become extremely creative uh, as we move forward and, and really explore new avenues for revenue. Because the truth of the matter is, uh, we do live in a world where uh, it's going to be more and more difficult to eke out margin uh, between wholesale and retail. This is a lot of really compelling predictions for the new year. Um, you know, we're going to have to revisit these at the end of 2018 and see how well you did. No, um, I, I won't be held accountable for any of it. <laughs> of course, <laughs> you are not a mind reader or a psychic, um, to my knowledge. No, I, I, would actually, I would actually enjoy doing that. Uh, it's really always a pleasure to talk with you, Doug. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And you, Corrine. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Conversational Commerce. For all the latest updates on industry news, analysis, and trends, subscribe to our free daily newsletter at retaildive.com. And stay tuned for more episodes. In fact, we'll be recording live from NRF's big show later this month. If you'll be there too, shoot us an email or tweet at us at RetailDive. Until next time, I'm Corinne Ruff, and this was Conversational Commerce.